Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment of the 80s and beyond. Normally it's Mindy on the other side of this, but she got really busy this week, so my regular co-host from over on Hit Rewind was nice enough to watch two movies that she probably would never watch, uh, and it's John. Hi, John. Dude, you maybe watched two movies that weren't sci-fi fantasy or well, okay, maybe one of them's kind of goofy in in ways that we'll I guess we'll get into, but not goofy, not odd. Like you may watch a drama. Yeah, I made what you watch heck? two pretty much normal everyday kind of straightforward movies. Which is this a bad thing? You sound upset. <laughs> no, no. Uh, actually, I'll say this. I think between the two of them, one of them I really liked, but it also made me very angry. I'm, I'm curious as to which one this is, but, um, all right, so the movies are Taps and Toy Soldiers, one celebrating a 40th anniversary, the other one celebrating the 30th anniversary, I almost tripped over the word celebrating, <laughs> it's la 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 I will say this, the reason I chose these two together, not just because of the anniversaries, is because it kind of flips the first, like, Toy Soldiers flips the concept kind of inside out of what Taps is, it's, it's about... Uh, Taps is about kids taking over a school and dealing with the outside forces, whereas Toy Soldiers, it's the kids that are fighting against the terrorists, keeping them in and working with the outside forces. Yeah, uh, I, I guess we'll do Toy Soldiers first. Uh, pretty much when, because this was the second, this was the second of the two films I saw. But my reaction was, so is this just Red Dawn slash Die Hard in a prep school? And then like, yeah, it's. Die Hard in a prep school. It's kind of, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say Red Dawn. Red Dawn is a real uh, fucking super macho. I love it because it's campy. And there is some camp, I think, a little bit in Toy Soldiers because of miscasting uh, and weird choices with underwear. Um, <laughs> but I, I think Red Dawn is really Republican, 80s. Just This is like the end of the Republican era, so it feels a little more cynical. Um, and I think it's a little more thoughtful than Red Dawn is, but I could be wrong. I know some people worship Red Dawn. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, and in saying that's mostly because it's foreigners. Even though, okay, yes, the the invading force is led uh, in in Die Hard is led by, you know, uh, Hans Gruber and all that stuff, and they're speaking in they have Germanic people and stuff. But this kind of these guys sneak in from the border and you know from South America and into through Mexico and across our borders to take over this prep school and hence why it kind of went red dawn yeah i mean you this. if you made this movie now that it's it would be republican red meat they would eat this shit up and say see see but it was 91 yeah. the world was a little bit different back then yeah this is it i i enjoyed this movie just kind of on the this is a dumb action movie sort of level where yeah it like Sean Astin, Louis uh, Louis Gossett Jr., they're they're both fun in this. It's you know you got uh, Sean Astin being this uh, clever kid who's finding ways to sneak around these rules, and that ultimately is what allows him to be our leader of this uh, resistance against this terrorist group. It's and, weird because people don't think of him like this, uh, but you have Goonies where he's kind of a a, a nerd. But after that, people forget that he was in Like Father, Like Son as Kirk Cameron's best friend. He was kind of a smart ass. And then he did Whitewater Summer with Kevin Bacon where he was kind of a rebellious outsider. So he kind of had that tone set. But 
after this is when he would do Encino Man. He was a dork again. And then he started putting on the weight for Rudy. And he had a hard time shaking that off ever since. This is the fittest and more rebellious than anything that I've ever seen him in. Yeah, but that's also when you talk about him being a nerd. Is That's partially why he's so clever. Is He's a smart kid who just wants, who's just, he's a troublemaker. He is a nerd. He knows how to, uh, how to patch into the phone lines in this little uh, basement area that they have so they can call out a sex line. You know, it's like he's, you know, he, he has thought through how to hide vodka, you know, how to hide and then sell vodka by making it actually seem like it's mouthwash. Yeah, but I, I guess, I don't mean, yes, he has intelligence, but I don't think that he's usually his typical kind of insecure, nebbish. This, he's very brave. And, uh, you know, he's the leader of the group. And I think that casting him against type works for this. Whereas, like, Will Wheaton, I don't believe a second of it. Oh, I no. Just Will Wheaton, he's so terrible. <laughs> he's so miscast. I don't know what they were thinking. Was he the only one available? Or did he take a discount on his asking price or something to get castness? Because it just doesn't fit. But everybody else is fine. But it's more. Well, this is more Sean Astin and Luke Gossett Jr. show. Yeah. Well, I'm also trying to think. Is this around the time that he left? Uh, Will Eaton left Trek. I am pretty that... sure this is right when he left because he was only on what three, four seasons. Yeah, he, he was only on there for a short time, and then he left to have his movie career. That yeah, really he only did like happens. three or four movies, and then he disappeared. Um, and this is also we have uh, Keith Coogan from Adventures in Babysitting and uh, another babysitting movie. My <laughs> don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. But um, I like him in this. Uh, he's a little more uh, he's a comedic part of it, but I think he's a little harder edge than he usually is in his, a lot of his movies, where he's just a, a big old dork. Yeah, it's like, I, and I, this film has got a whole bunch of. Uh those those guys in I can't remember the villain but he's the oh, guy who, Andrew Devoff who is yeah, uh the wishmaster <laughs> he's well I, I think it was he's the guy who played uh, Mikhail in Lost and just such a great villain in that you also have like you know those guys uh Jerry Orbach and Denholm Elliott oh I, mean, I like Denholm Elliott in this he didn't he didn't get used much outside of the Indiana Jones movies yeah and that that was the thing is like someone with especially his introduction where it's uh our our hero clique of kids go and basically pull all of his his entire uh, office and put it in like picture perfect is exactly as it would have been in his office, but all his furniture and everything is now outside. I thought that was Lucas Jr.'s office. No, that was oh. pretty sure that was his because he's the one going. I really, it was like I would love to sit down and just start working. <laughs> okay, maybe his his reaction is so perfect to it. Where in my they might share an office, maybe that's it. But it's he's just he's so pleasant and nice and he's you know sitting there just trying to keep the peace when when all the shit goes down and he's almost he's an authority figure I would you know I feel would get respect even from like Sean Astin and stuff because he's the kind of guy who's totally you know, he's like he's not really riding anyone's ass. Right. Like Louis Gossett Jr. exists, and we see the relationship between him and Sean Astin is Gossett Jr. likes the kid in the sense that he is such you know he sees the intelligence, he sees you know he sees the gut, he sees everything that that is in this kid, and that's why he won't let him fail. But he's also Louis Gossett Jr. is definitely a hard ass, and he's not going to you know he's not going to let 
these kids walk all over him. Whereas, yeah, yeah Denim Elliott's going to totally just, you know, he's granted older than that than this would be, but he's like the older hippie. You know, he's just yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah, um, kind of, like an old mod. Kind of yeah, he's just he's, you know, all right, you know, fuck it, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> The uh, and, and Lou Gossett Jr. is cast uh, as he's always cast. He's one of those actors they rarely ever use differently. But you know, it worked in Iron Eagle and it worked in uh, Officer and a Gentleman. He's just playing off that kind of role. Yeah. Oh yeah. And is it? He's he's not necessarily the most no nonsense person because he, you know, it's like as as the terrorist thing. You know, as the as the terrorists are. Doing, you know, unfolding the plans. Sean Astin's sitting there, like, okay, you know, he is, at one point escapes and he's found, you know, the gets in touch with the military. He's kind of telling him, oh, here's what our plan is. But I have to get back, or else someone's going to get shot. I and, do like and, the complications that the uh, well, this is originally based off a novel. I'm assuming it's taken from that novel, but I, I feel like the complications that they laid down were pretty um, interesting and it brought up the more intense drama instead of just like a lot of these diehard movies are all about just the action the mowing down but this is more about the setup and the payoff and I think a lot of this has to do with the script um, yes Daniel Petrie Jr. is the writer and director but it also had Fix Up by David Kep. You you know that name right? Oh yeah yeah yeah. He, I, he, it feels like the the complicated details and a lot of the good dialogue came from him, but I don't know for a fact. But if you don't know who he is, he wrote Jurassic Park and Spider Man Two, <laughs> amongst other things. I think he has. I think he's on. He did Batman. Yeah, he did Mission Impossible. So he's just like one of those. Almost everything he churns out is gold. It's like I think he is definitely one of those guys who he's brought in. If, if not to write an action script of some form, it's still at least polishing up. Yeah, and nothing against uh, Daniel Petrie. I mean, he did write uh, Beverly Hills Cop, so there's something there. Well, it could also be because I think the original book is set in, like, a London, like in England or something oh, like that. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. And, and then that could also be the Kep's, Kep's part might have been to also Americanize it. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Petrie wrote uh, Turner and Hooch Shoot to Kill The Big Easy and Beverly Hills Cop and uh, In the Army Now is his follow up film to this so still a little bit of the military stuff totally different angle <laughs> <laughs> which which is a uh, Polly Shore film I kind of like I, I kind of like the first all I like all oh, of them fuck them fuck it I'm sorry <laughs> I'm gonna I've seen them all in theaters all of them even the, the stupid court one Oh no, no, that's which it got better. It got better with time. I'm telling you, the way that you see how court and everything is treated in the social media, and you know, it's all just entertainment instead of like legit news. They really lay, they satire that thing really well. It's just, it's really low budget. (laughs) Um, so I, I think this is a, a pretty good movie. Not to go on too long with it. I, I just think there's some miscasting and there is some silliness. I, like I said, Will Wheaton when he does a thing in the movie and it goes horribly wrong, that is so badly shot, so badly edited. It, it looks like I was it goes laughing, off. Yeah, I was laughing my ass off. It's it, just a fucking mistake. They should have reshot it. Yeah, it it genuinely feels like something that was pulled from like a Naked Gun movie. Yeah. Or something. 
But the the final wrap up, the way it, you know the, the the commandos are coming in. And we're spoiling this, so you better stop now or fast forward. The commandos come in and, and try to take down the bomber or whatever. I thought a lot of that, especially since they set it up early with the whole microchip thing. I thought that was well done. Although I would say this, the introduction of the the flying machine that they're that that they're going to use, that was terrible. That I think is one of the most one of the you know yes we need to have some sort of yeah example. it's heavy handed, and then it just turns into comedic action sequence. That yeah, it's like you might as well just have you know sound effects of yeah. There is a slight tonal thing at the end when they're giving the scope. The, not, you know the mouthwash alcohol to dental Elliott and gives like hey what is this i like this and they're all smiling i was like no totally wrong you're you're at the end of the fucking movie and people are dying <laughs> or for like a little tiny kids die hard i think it's good it's better than that masterminds movie i don't know if you ever saw that with um patrick stewart no no i never saw it yeah. but yeah like i could imagine i couldn't even finish it um, so, uh, this, and I think the score, I've never heard of Robert Folk, but the score is one of those classic 80s bombastic, but it really, at times, grabs you. It really just, it's, I don't like the whole super uh, patriotic kind of music where they're like, oh yeah, military, yeah! But I think more of the, the emotional pieces that he does are really good. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's definitely an entertaining film. They, I, you know, it's like, Aside from, yes, these are total shifts and stuff like that. I don't think there's, like, any reason why not to check it out. Yeah. Uh, Taps is a movie that traumatized me as a child, and forever I was afraid to watch it. And uh, I watched it a couple years ago. I didn't get to watch it this last time, but I have it burned in my memory for fucking ever. <laughs> and I still think it's really good, and it breaks my heart. There's some seriously fucking big mistakes made. And... Like I said, spoilers galore. There's a lot of death that was not necessary. Oh yeah, but uh, again, this is this is a film that's a perfect example of the law of the hammer. The idea, you know, that when you only have a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, and it's basically it, it's a film that has this common '80s trope. You know, we got to save this place from being torn down by greedy developers, but. You know, other films of this type involve breakdancing or beating the snobs in a downhill ski race or <laughs> something. To save the military school, and I'm using save in quotes, the kids decide to seize the campus and then try to fight the cops and then ultimately the military. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, leading up to that, though, it's, it's George C. Scott's mistake that leads everything. And it's completely accidental. It's not like a bad decision. It's just the timing and... and how things just went horribly wrong is why the school gets shut down. Well, and that's you're right, but you're wrong about that too. Because George Scott is out is kind of an out, you know, this whole alcoholic, you know, guy. It's very obviously that you know, yeah, he's definitely, you know, the, the very uh, you know, because it's the military academy, he's very pro-military and all that kind of stuff, and definitely has served and wants to mold these young young these young men into the finest soldiers once they can actually go into active service. But this drunken general goes and accidentally shoots a kid, you know, a townie kid, who which, yes, the townie kids are dicks, and, you know, them getting their ass beat. I, I did not feel bad when they got into a fight with these other kids, and, you know, these townie kids could potentially get their asses handed to them. You know what? They deserved it for being dicks. 
Yeah. And the kid who gets shot doesn't des- didn't deserve to get shot, but drunky, you know, <laughs> General McDrunky here, does, you know, his has a uh, bullet in the chamber of his gun. So, what kind of safety are they le- are the kids really That's learning true. here? Okay, like I said, I haven't you seen know. it in a couple of years. I kind of forgot about that. I just. But you know what? I'll say this: the person who decided that it must have been contractual. George C. Scott is in this what fifteen minutes at most. Having his name first and on the poster is seriously wrong. This is Timothy Hutton's movie all the way. Yeah. Well, actually, I'll say this: the the MVP in this film is Ronnie is totally Ronnie Cox. Like, you know, he comes in, he's trying to negotiate this thing down. And you can tell in this, because really up until this point, because I, I had never seen this film before, I've mostly seen Ronnie Cox as an antagonist of some kind. Right, or or just like, oh, the sheriff, you know, and he, like in, in Beverly Hills Cops. Yeah, like I said, he's, if he's not the bad guy, like I said, he is an antagonist of some kind. Like, like I said, in Beverly Hills Cop, you know, he's he's not the hero, he's not, but he is still kind of an an opposing force at times. Right. And in this one, I'm totally seeing this guy really, like, not, I don't want to say acting its type, but basically this guy who has obviously seen military, you know, seen, seen action. He's seen people die horribly, and he sees these kids who are totally going to get themselves killed, and he's doing his damnedest, you know, to try and plead and beg with them in, with an authoritative manner to stand down and it is a hell like you can you can tell in this performance that he has seen this horrors of war and you can tell how much he wants this thing to end and he knows it's not going to end well and he knows these kids are going to die and he is doing he's doing his damnedest to stop it and it's it's amazing it's uh, this was a big hit while Toy Soldiers wasn't so much of a hit. It kind of broke even, but it was big on video. This is one that you know it was up for you know they were trying to push it for Oscar season. I don't think it got nominated for anything like major, but it was basically a breakthrough, a showcase for a lot of the young actors that would become stars later. Um, I mean, Timothy Hutton had already had Ordinary People the year before, but now we have Sean Penn, Tom Cruise, and then lower. Uh, well, they're known now, but like Evan Handler and Giancarlo Esposito, they never became stars, but they're always like those guys that are constantly working. But this, Sean Penn, fucking out of nowhere, just is golden. And Tom Cruise is crazy. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. I'll be honest. This is the this is the wildest I've seen Tom Cruise in any film. And I'm including uh, Les Grossman. Uh, oh, yeah. The, okay, yes. I mean, this is the, the absolute, like... <sighs> One of the things, okay. One first thing I gotta say is it does. Is it me or does it seem like Tom? Well, you didn't watch it recently, but Tom Cruise seems like he takes a hit of helium before some of his takes because he's got a really fucking high voice. No, I'm telling you, that's his real voice. Now I've I've heard this in a podcast of a friend of mine called '80s All Over, where whenever Tom Cruise is super excited and loud in movies now. He has this voice. It cracks through. He must have trained himself to skip this because uh, the year before this, he's in a movie called Endless Love. Now, mind you, he's only in it for maybe two minutes at most. He has that helium voice the whole time. He sounds like Mickey Mouse. And Tom you know, still kind of carries it through this movie. Now, I think he would fix it within the next couple years 
when he started to become a leading man. You know, he did The Outsiders and uh, uh, Losing It. And then, of course, after that is when he became a star with All the Right Moves and Risky Business, and it's gone. I think this is his real voice. Yeah, well, because he's only, like, what, 17 or 18 yeah, at this point? Yeah, and he did like that. Yeah, like a really high-pitched, break-glass kind of voice. Wow. But but Tom Cruise's performances, he definitely unhinged at pretty much every moment of this yeah, film. Yeah, he wants and, battle. And that's the thing is, considering this, that the armed and violent response is this, these kids' solutions, honestly, it's a fucking great idea that they, clo- that they close the school down, because... Again, going back to George C. Scott. Yeah, you know what? No, yeah, you're right. You're correct. Yeah, clearly he was teaching them wrong. <laughs> yeah, these kids are not being taught well. And considering the fact that there are other military academies out there, this is not like – I would get it if this is the only one in America. Like, oh, my God, we have no other school to teach these sorts of, these sorts of lessons. Okay. I would have more sympathy with these kids. You know, I would definitely not agree with this or anything like that, but I could understand their position a little more if this, there was literally no other, you know, no other place for them to go. Yeah. Instead, no, these are, uh, these are the kids who grew up to become QAnon and, you know, it's well, like, except for, okay. So we, like we have Tom Cruise on one extreme end, you know, more yeah. like the, the, what we're talking about right now Timothy Hutton is the one in the middle being pulled to each side or whatever. Sean Penn, um, which is a surprise because most people don't see him really as a sensitive, thoughtful kind of character. He's usually more aggressive. At least it seems like it. Um, it is like the one who's trying to reason with him and, and ends up paying the price at the end. Yeah, well, but it's the thing. It's like Timothy Hutton's, you know, his, he is the, he was the leader. He is the one who, you know, decide, you know, was the one who was like, we're going to do this. We're, you know, we're just by the book. Okay. Uh, well, the book's changed a little bit, but uh, we're, and yes, it's like he gets to a point where he begins to regret his decision, but he is constantly leading these kids into this terrible situation. And he knows it's not, not a good situation and he knows he's losing, but he refuses to stop until, you know, I mean, all right, spoiler alert a little bit, but a what nine-year-old kid is accidentally shot and killed yeah uh that's the first time i've ever seen a child get killed and it traumatized me for years i didn't know children could die period in real life or in movies i didn't know yeah and it's and it is a brutal and sad you know thing and it's that thing where it's like the moment of clarity for this guy that oh shit actions have consequences that's when he starts you know he decides that okay this is over we are done we've lost and that's you know then tom cruise who is ready for battle obviously really fucks everything up yeah he doesn't want to see the end of it he loves it yeah and he's you know tom cruise is, is definitely the guy who immediately stormed through uh sorry to uh do Pol- uh, modern day politics. Yeah, yeah, I go, yeah, yeah. He's he's one of the guys who immediately stormed through the uh, the Capitol and is pepper spraying and stabbing. Yeah. Or or would be mad right now that we're pulling out of Afghanistan. I I've literally met I, and this is really controversial. And if you don't want to ride this train, you can get off. But I don't believe that everybody who serves for our country is a noble soul. 
people keep thinking that it has to be all of them. I've literally talked to people who are like, oh, yeah, I just want to go over there and kill people. They don't want to serve our country. They had rage in them. And they didn't know what to do with it, so they just wanted to go over there. Some people just need a job, and that's there because they have nowhere else to go. Some people truly have noble ideas, but some people just need a fucking job, and some are psychotic, and we don't know what to do with them, so we put them over there. Yeah, and that's, again, that is true. That is, that's the problem with all this is we, you know, it's like I do respect people who serve, but I also agree that there's a lot of people who I do not respect because they are, you know, monsters. And this is, you know, they're the ones who would enjoy, as you said, they just want to go out and kill something. And being in the military gives them the license to do that. Yeah. And this so, movie, or at least so they believe. Yeah. This movie actually kind of honestly represents, I, there's very few movies that do that. Platoon, I think, did a very good job of representing all sides of. Uh, types of you know soldiers because not everybody's the same, and I don't know if it's this '80s jingoistic thing, especially rising after 9/11, is that every single soldier is the greatest thing on the planet? And I'm like, mm, let's give that a little bit of grain of salt. And no, I didn't serve. And yes, you can call me a fucking asshole, but sometimes you have to deal with the harsh reality. The guy. So I'll just tell you the story real quickly. Side note is, um, so I was working at one of the registers, and there was a Vietnam vet there. And he was very quiet, kept to himself, was checking out. Then a guy came up to him and told him, you serve too? He goes, yeah, I served in Desert Storm. And he goes, oh, okay. Um, And he goes, yeah, I just want to go over there and kill people. And the horrified look of the Vietnam vet was heartbreaking because, you know, they were forced to go over. Whereas the other guy clearly wanted to go over there to shoot people. Yeah, and that's and I also let let's be honest, that does show a little bit of how our culture has changed from some of that stuff too, because you know, people I'm sure people went into World War Two, which is a war that I do feel is one hundred percent justified, you know, our maybe the last isn't... time that we had a justified logical war. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm sure people went over there because they wanted to shoot people, too. I'm, you know, that's not, let's let's all be honest, not everyone is ever going to join the military for pure intentions. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, with Vietnam, a lot of people were drafted. A lot of people had to go there. And, you know, the stuff that people, again, they don't like, no one likes to talk about it, but people came back from World War II shell-shocked and you know, with, you know, PTSD and all sorts of stuff, and it fucked them up, but, you know, didn't, no one really wanted to talk about it, and it's not only, it's now until recent years where you start going, oh, yeah, yeah. war but this, does things to people. This movie unless, does, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, go ahead. Well, it's like, unless, honestly, unless you're broken already. Yeah, but that's what this movie, I think, is really smart about, is that, yes, it's not an actual war, but it's their little war. And the trauma, I mean, of course, they don't really deal with the PTSD so much, but you know it's coming. You know that Timothy Hutton is going to be traumatized for the rest of his life because this thing got out of hand and people died. And even when he tried to stop it with all his heart, and everybody agreed with him except one dude, and that fucked it all. Not not, not necessarily Timothy Hutton, but uh, the kid's friend. You know, the kid who, you know, threw down his weapon and was like, don't shoot me, and his friend got shot right after him that that kid is 
doomed for life. Yeah. He is. Or how they didn't know how to run. The, the, this is the one that scared the most out of me because um, how that whole electrical system went wrong. And I think it was Giancarlo oh. Esposito catches on fire and they don't know what to do because they've never dealt with something like that. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where it made me really angry was just how long that went and how long Timothy Hutton let all that happen where it's I genuinely by the by the time that it was over or getting to be over it's like dude I just want the military to roll in and kill these kids because th at this point they've now asked for it they have defied and hold up and done everything in in the face of everyone telling you it's like guys it's over surrender and let's just you go home this is you're dumb kids you don't know what you're doing if you keep this up we will have to because you have become terrorists and we will have to respond in like <laughs> I get I, I, the, I feel like that's a little bit of a harsh response I almost want them to just go I right, just keep the fucking thing or whatever we're just gonna go but you, you can have your school but guess what you can never leave your school guess what no more supplies you're fucked well I I lived in Vegas around the time that the Bundy Ranch stuff happened oh really I saw, I saw the same stuff hap happen when those guys took over that place in what Oregon yeah there, there's a point where people have backed down when they really shouldn't have and has emboldened people and this is the sort of thing okay where okay i can see that it, yeah. like i said and it, it the fact that they're kids makes me a shitty person <laughs> i totally cop to that that you know it's like you know like I said, there's a couple of nine-year-old kids they don't deserve to have a tank <laughs> rolling down right on top of them but at the same time they were given multiple opportunities to leave they saw what the day before like half of half of the entire group said this is over yeah. we're done we it's need a, to go yeah it's a very complicated movie it, which is the exact opposite of toy soldiers because yeah the the what they have to do is complicated but the emotional range that they have to go with is pretty straightforward yeah, whereas this it, one really fucks with you and like i said i think this is a this is a great movie because it's one of those things where it makes you have a reaction and it's not you know, like Toy Soldiers. Oh, this is a dumb, fun action movie. Right. Like, no, this is this is a film that has, like I said, emotional weight and depth. And well, I can't remember the last time I genuinely had any kind of serious reaction to a movie. You know, whether it made me mad or things, because I'm getting frustrated with characters and not in like, no, you stupid person, horror film, don't go out there. Don't play with the Necronomicon. Why are you doing that, dummy? <laughs> it's why. Why are you doing this? You. There are other schools. The fact that you just got this guy killed is your fault. Why are you doing this? Yeah, it's a very uh, complicated movie, especially when you originally you you kind of sided with them in the beginning, or at least that's the intention. Is the Harold Becker wants you to feel for the kids, but then he makes it more and more difficult to empathize with what they're doing and then it, it, that's something they usually don't do in movies you usually ride that all the way out you go with the rebel and you fight against the system and this one tells you <laughs> nope <laughs> sorry that's wrong as i said that's why like i said when i get when you get to ronnie cox rolling in and just you know again you go like 
damn straight. This guy is speaking truth. This guy's speaking the gospel. Kid, listen to the guy who's trying to get you out of this mess. Yeah. It's uh, it's really surprising that Timothy Hutton never really became a star. Because uh, I think he's one of the best of his generation, but he just never really had any hits. He was just one of those critically acclaimed actors, and people just stopped casting him after a while because he just didn't make money. Unfortunately, yeah. But as long as as long as you keep working, you know, it's like at least if you show up into something, maybe not leading man, but yeah. there's a lot of people, you know, character actors and stuff, a lot of people who are the glue to films. Yeah, well, I'm looking now. He seems to be one of the go-to leads for miniseries now because you're looking at, like, he's got lots of Netflix stuff, and, and, and it's all short-term, so you're not stuck. Like, he was on leverage for, what, six years, which is an okay show. I thought it was a little bit beneath him. But now he, you know, the great thing about these limited series on the Internet is uh, you can just do a season and move on with your life, and you're not stuck. It's just like making a really long movie. Yeah, it's kind of the the British TV version yes. of things. Yeah, they do it, the I think, the way that's the best because shows that go on for 14 fucking years. Seriously, Supernatural, what did you have to say after 14? <laughs> Jeez. Um, okay, we're wandering off the ranch a little bit, so <laughs> let's let's wind it up. Of the two, um, Taps is the better one? Taps, I think, is the better one. Uh, Toy Soldiers is the more fun one. Yeah, that's the one you kind of watch with your friends, you know, just for a good old fun time whereas taps is one you need to set some brain power aside to deal with it um and so uh check us out on facebook under uh hit rewind podcast and thank you very much john where can we find you i'm on uh let's see twitter at m-y-u-z-i-s-h-i-o-n and also on twitch under the same name all right everybody have a good night